Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Hendo 10 Years of Red, an exclusive documentary series from the Red Men TV, featuring those closest to Jordan Henderson, including his teammates, managers, and family. The series follows the journey of Liverpool's captain, from a young boy growing up in Sunderland, to lifting the biggest trophies in club football for the Reds. In episode one, the early years, we start at the beginning. Jordan's dad, Brian, tells us what Jordan was like as a boy and how his love for the game began. The first game he ever went to there, I remember taking him down. Uh, I think he was six or six and a half. He hated us for this, but within a few minutes, he just broke down uh, crying because he didn't know where to play. He'd never played before. As Sunderland's academy manager from 2004 to 2016, Jed McNamee had a huge part to play in Jordan's development as a teenager. Part of my job was like patting him on the back really and saying well done when he was doing well. But then equally, if, if we thought he was drifting a bit or we, we didn't think he was doing particularly well, then give him a kick up the back, say. We spoke to former Sunderland captain and Jordan's under-18 manager, Kevin Ball. What I would say is the upbringing he had was very beneficial to him as a person going forward. I think if you look at the characteristics he has as a person, they would have been ingrained in him by his parents. Paul Dobson, editor of Sunderland fanzine A Love Supreme. The youth team, they had a particularly good uh, youth FA Cup run. I remember Pitt thinking as a tall lad who was very, very blonde playing on the right wing and he looked he looked very capable then and most of us thought, you know, this is this lad could go places. He looks like a proper footballer in the making. Sunderland Echo journalist, Phil Smith. You know, his attitude was obviously excellent and his physicality was superb. I think that's the thing that when I think about what you first noticed about Jordan Henderson at Sunderland. Leon McKenzie, who played alongside Jordan during his loan spell at Coventry City. Very reserved, didn't let a lot out in the respect of, you know, where his personality was properly at, but just very, just came in didn't really speak much, very quiet. A Sunderland teammate who also had 47 appearances for Liverpool, Bolo Zenden. He was one of the youngsters, but of course uh, you could tell that he, he had a certain potential. He already had his, his height, his ability to run from, from the middle and, and get into the box. Another Sunderland teammate who remains close friends with Jordan to this day, Naden Manua. He was the big hope in the city. You know, he was a, he came through the academies, he was a good player, all that stuff, and he was in the first team, and he, he represented that fan base. Journalist and Sky Sports reporter, Melissa Reddy. There was a lot of talk about him at the upper tier of Premier League clubs, but also on the England stage. They were speaking about him as somebody who could become a future leader of his country. The man who preceded Jordan as captain of Liverpool, Stephen Gerrard. I was obviously aware of him, watched him quite a lot at Sunderland, had hair dream as we were, we were tracking him. The Liverpool legend who signed Jordan in the first place, Sir Kenny Dalglish. Oh, well, obviously, yes, if I helped you, but uh, it's only if I help if it comes with ability and talent. So he, he just filled the package that we needed, good ethics, nice, nice mannered boy, no arrogant taken away and appreciated what people did for him. Journalist for The Athletic, Simon Hughes. 
And I just remember the, the day he signed, because I, I, I actually interviewed him that day. He sort of played it quite safe, you know, like in terms of the, the stuff that he says, I suppose most young players do. Another Liverpool legend from Jordan's early years at Anfield, Jamie Carragher. What you noticed straight away was sort of the personality, the character of, of the player as well, was pretty good and pretty special. So you knew he'd have half a chance because of that. The Athletics Liverpool FC reporter, James Pearce. You know, right from the start, you just knew that in terms of someone who really appreciated what they had, and you know, someone who was always going to work you know, and do everything they possibly could to maximise their talent. The Redman TV's own, Paul Machin. The biggest question for Jordan Henderson, you move from Sunderland to Liverpool, fine, but can you cope with the pressures of playing? Can you cope with the pressures of the fans and everything that comes with being a Liverpool player? And one of Jordan's midfield partners for his first five years at Anfield, Lucas Leiva. And I think one thing that uh, it didn't help him, I think, was the price. You know, I think it was 16, 20 million, something like this. In that moment, was a lot of money. So this is John Henderson's documentary, right? Derby, I have to say the truth, huh? So let me say it like this. Football was his life ever from being five, six-year-old. I'd say it's just an absolutely fantastic story. At a club where to actually be remembered as one of the greats, the bar is unbelievably high, he's going to be in that list. I think his career is a story of willpower, really. You know, he's had a career unlike most Liverpool players, really. Instrumental, influential. As a footballer. There's no get any questions to be answered. When I first went and trained with him, like he blew me away how good he was technically. Well, he's a top-class player, no doubt about that. He walks into a room, he walks into a dressing room, he gets on a plane, he gets on a bus, he's a leader. He is the big player that's come from Sunderland. A lot of happy memories, pride. But I honestly knew he would be a success. He's a very humble guy. Even in the most difficult moments, always positive. Always behind the team. An incredible person, selfless, great company, good to be around. A wonderful man and a wonderful player, and he deserves all the plaudits he gets. Somebody who's always prepared to do what's the right thing for the team. It's my captain. It was fantastic to be able to share the picture of him. He's one of the best teammates that you can have around. We're blessed to have Jordan, not just as a player, like I said, but as a person. Totally proud and vindicated in the way he's turned up. He will be forever known as an iconic name in Liverpool's history. Of course I'm proud of what he's achieved, but I'm probably more proud of the way he's turned out. And that's all the tears back at certain points. A great player and an even better man. Jordan was born in 1990 in Sunderland, but when he was about one or two, we moved up to Harrington, which is a, a suburb of Sunderland, which is two or three miles outside the city centre. Well, it's a little bit out of Sunderland, but it's very like strong Sunderland country, do you know what I mean? So Sunderland fans are kind of dominant there. It's away from the town centre a bit, and it's quite... It's quite nice compared to other areas of town where people, you know, footballers have come from. You know, it might not kind of be directly in Sunderland, but it has a really strong Sunderland heritage. Footballing-wise, I remember the first occasion when Jordan's godfather, a good friend of mine called Colin Ray, who was in the police force with us, and we had a small Brazilian-type footballs, uh, and Jordan was there, and he was left foot. He was like left, right, left, right, at three-year-old. And I remember Colin saying, be a footballer, that lad as you do when you're talking about your child anyway. But that was the first ever memory that me and Colin discussed quite a bit after. And then I think they had the school team when he was about eight or nine. I think he was captain of that. 
what I would say is the upbringing he had was very beneficial to him as a person going forward. I think if you look at the characteristics he has as a person, they would have been ingrained in him by his parents. His dad was a big influence in the fact of keeping him stable and looking after him when he was away from the football. So, you know, all those things were, were pointing in the right direction. Real good upbringing. I, I met his parents very early on and had a good conversation with them and um, he was a real humble kid. He was honest and and I think that's what is in his makeup. I think it comes through the background that he was brought up in. Came from his dad, and uh, although his mum and dad split up, right, his, his, uh, he still came from a really good home, and he had good ethics, nice, nice mannered boy, no arrogant, taken away, and he appreciated what people did for him. Once he was at school, there was a number of boys in his class in his year were joining various football teams around the area. There was planes from full world juniors which eventually Jordan went to and a few other teams. Like a lot of our grassroots football clubs in the area, they're all run by such enthusiastic people. And Fulwell always had a good reputation for attracting some good young players. The first game he ever went to there, I remember taking him down. Uh, I think he was six or six and a half. He hated us for this but within a few minutes he just broke down uh, crying because he didn't know where to play, he'd never played before. So the guy had to explain to him, this is what you do, that's where you go. So the guy who brought him over there was and explained that Jordan was a bit confused. He never played football before. Within two minutes, he was off. Uh, I think I think he scored five that first game. Uh, had an incredible game. I think they won something like seven, five. Uh, that was the normal score for that type of age group uh, because it wasn't, wasn't structured football. It was just enjoying yourself. So that was his first game. And then from then on, I'd, I really, from that age group, I cannot remember the team ever getting beat. Just historically, over a long period of time, the North East has always produced local footballers, really competitive leagues, really good standard for junior football. And I think you can see that in the, the player that Jordan is today. Do you know what I mean? You've got, to be, you've got to be tough, you've got to be good. There was a group of nine or 10 players that went on to academy teams themselves, played in this full world juniors team. So it was a good setup. And, and it was a good base for him to start. A really good place to learn your football. And I think it's not just Jordan Henderson, there are so many footballers, if you look around the leagues now, who have come out from playing clubs like that and playing in, playing in those leagues. When a player like Jordan comes through a grassroots football club at Four World Juniors, you need to be aware of him. Jordan was recommended to us um, at a very young age. I think he was around about, you know, seven or eight year old. When they started the academy, uh, Jordan was scouted by a guy called Anthony Smith. That day he came, he was watching the game and he approached us and asked us, he said, are you the dad of the number nine? Got on chatting and he invited him down to the academy or the School of Excellence as it was then from a place called the Charlie Hurley Centre. The Charlie Hurley Centre was also the first team training centre. So the team uh, and Jordan used to see them regularly was the likes of Niall Quinn, who became his chairman, uh, Kevin Phillips, who was Jordan's uh, favourite player. Every day they were in, there was a small pavilion next to the changing room. So this pavilion was used for head tennis. So Jordan would go in as a nine-year-old and you'd have him playing head tennis for Kevin Phillips and Niall Quinn, which was crazy. It was a very, very close football club. So I think Jordan loved his time there. And he would have been coming in, having some coaching, 
but obviously playing a lot of his football with his mates who were, were also playing at four. If you can get the relationship right between our club and the grassroots football club, that they know that relationship is there to support both ways, not just to us, we've got to be prepared to support them back. I think the opportunity for more Jordan Hendersons would be a lot better. I'll never forget coming back from a tournament when he was nine. There's a place not far from here, which is a specialist car garage. You've got like E-type Jazz, you've got your Range Rovers, you've got your Maseratis, you've got every car you can think of. And would be in the Darlington and they'd won this tournament all day. And normally they're fast asleep in the car coming back. They've been playing football all day. And um, we were just pulling up past this garage and, he, and I heard him say it, it was pal in the back. See that black one there, I'm going to get me dad that one. And I'm going to have that one there, that silver one. And I turned around and I looked at the showroom and it was a Range Rover. And that sticks in my mind. Uh, and one of the first things he did was when uh, he got a pro contract, he bought, a, he bought us a new car. So. It was a tough environment that he played in. You know, a lot of local lads at Sunderland, you know, had to clean the boots, do all that sort of thing. You could only wear black boots, tidy in dressing rooms after you, all these kind of little things, these little cultural things. When we talk about jobs, people say nowadays with young players, they shouldn't have to do jobs. Well, me, I disagree with that. Kevin was a hard taskmaster. We ran a tight ship, and if any of the lads sort of like were going offline a bit, we, you know, our job was to pull them back online. You know, like if it's their changing, why can't they clean it? You know, if it's their boots, why don't they clean their boots? If it's a pro's boots they want to have a relationship with and understand what it takes to be a footballer, why can't they do his boots? You know, we're not belittling them by asking them to do it. We're telling them to take a responsibility. No different to me as a manager saying to him, listen, I need you to pick him up at a corner. If he don't pick him up at a corner, take his responsibility and concedes a goal, he might not play the next game. And I think Jordan fitted into that so much and embodied it. Okay, maybe at that time you weren't sure how far he would go as a footballer technically, but I think everyone thought he would have a career in the game just because he had that attitude. And clearly he had talent as well, of course he did, because he didn't get into an academy of that strength without it. But I think what set him apart was that attitude and I think that's what probably made people think you know this this kid's gonna have a good career in the game. Basically we give him the opportunity to come and train um, like a lot of other boys and like we encourage them to work hard um, to work hard away from us. Part of my job was like patting him on the back really and saying well done when he was doing well but then equally if, if we thought he was drifting a bit or we we didn't think he was doing particularly well and give him a kick up the backside. Jordan was always determined and I think if you speak to any of his coaches, they'll tell you that his determination and the fact that he wanted to, to succeed um, was his main asset. He never ducked anything, you know, he never, he, he didn't want to miss games. He had, I think he had a, a little bit of problems with his knees, with Osgoods, but he, he, he always wanted to play. We played him in different positions, maybe positions he didn't really want to play in. But he, 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 he always, what I call, crossed the white line. He always went onto the grass and, and, and gave everything he could. The thing that stood out about him at Sunderland, he was always very responsible. He felt responsible not just for his own performances, but that of his teammates. He knew that there was possibly lads who were technically better than him, but, you know, he would practice. He would work on his game. I can remember having conversations with him about his left foot. Um, when he was around the first team, he would be staying out, he would be practising, he would be, you know, analysing his game. 
he always had this thing in him that he wanted to be better. Anything he'd done, he would try and find a way of making it better. He just had that drive that maybe just one or two of the other lads didn't have, you know, and, you know, basically you can say that, you know, coaches have worked with him and, and done this and, yeah, they have and they've given him advice. We've all, we, we would all be chipping away and giving them certain advice, but ultimately that comes from the individual. He looked like a professional from a very, very early age. You know, he looked like he was going to give it a serious score rather than, hey, look, I'm quite good, let's see what happens. Which you see with a lot of young kids that are all full of enthusiasm and they score shed loads of goals for the reserves and they get a couple of games as a substitute and they think, well, they just, they're not, they're not going to make the step up to full-on professional football. But he, he looked like he could and he did. We had a saying in the academy that the star of the team is the team. And like for me, Jordan bought into that big style because he used to work his socks off for the team, you know. But he had an overriding, absolute love of playing football. And again, that was for me one of his biggest things. The skills were all there, but his intrinsic from the bottom of his stomach to become as good as he could be was there for everybody to see. When you look at back at pictures or footage of Jordan, you can see that under 16, he wasn't the biggest of chap. He didn't really grow until he was about 16. He started to take a, a, a spurt. You looked at him now, he's built like a brick shithouse, isn't he? You know, and can run and run and run and will be strong as an ox. So when you look back at young players and they say, oh, he's not going to be big enough, I think Jordan's the epitome of somebody you can say, well, if he can do it, why can't others? And now I've also come across former players of ours that at the time we would have questioned their size and now they tower above me. You know, you get a lot of good footballers in academies, and, you know, they're very common people who have all the technical attributes that you want. But I think Jordan, like I say, his physicality and also his willpower, I think that's what's made him the player he is today. You talk to the lads who came through the youth setup with him, he wasn't one for, for going out on a party after a game or even for a drink and that. And he, he was one that he came in, went to the gym before training and he stayed back for whatever they do after shooting practice or whatever after the game. So he was putting in an extra couple of hours either side of the uh, of training session. So there was there was the dedication there. He was just training football, training constantly, the, either the academy or school or in the street or in the park that was that was football was his life ever from being five six year old i know i've been watching since he was about 14 or 15 with the kids teams and the, the youth team and he was obviously a very dedicated sportsman for me you could tell when he was very young the way he, he conducted himself on the field he always seemed to be listening and taking advice from whoever was shouting at him from the from the bench. The youth team, they had a particularly good uh, youth FA Cup run and they played one of the games at at the ground there at the Stadium of Light. Jordan was on the right wing, he used to play him almost exclusively on the right and more of a winger because as a kid they're always more energetic and he was quite tall compared to the lads hadn't quite grown into the game yet. I remember thinking as a tall lad who was, was very, very blonde playing on the right wing and he looked, he looked very capable then and most of us where we were sat because we were on that side of the ground anyway, we got a really good look at him and thought, you know, this is this lad could go places. He looks like a proper footballer in the making. He never really uh, disappointed in the big games. He always done well in the big games. Um, I can remember him us going to, in the Youth Cup when we got the semi-finals of the Youth Cup. We went to um, Charlton, I think it was. Uh, John Joe Shelby was playing for Charlton, actually. And he came up with a 25, 30-yard yarder to win the game at the death. So he always had that belief that he could do that as well, you know. He was capping the under-18s. I'm sure he capped the under-23s. 
it didn't matter to Jordan whether he had the band or not really. He was very vocal, he was very, you know, encouraging the lads. I think what Jordan possessed and sometimes I, I I personally feel we could have seen more of him was he's ever so skillful. He was technical. You could see that he worked the ball, that he, he, he practiced. You know, he wasn't just turning up and thinking, Oh, I'll just I'll just work when I'm with Sunland. He was obviously working when he was away from us as well. We were at a club one day and someone was talking about a YouTube video. And at the time, I presume YouTube was just in its infancy that Jordan and his mates had made. Uh, there was five or six of them had gone out this day, probably bored. But again, football related, where they're kicking the ball on a roof, coming back, they're hitting it onto a lamppost, it's coming back. And it was the most choreography piece of football you've ever seen to music in your life. The video itself was brilliant. And I posted it in Saturday AM. Unbeknown to the kids, in fact, I don't, even, I don't even know if I've told Jordan, I think I have. Nothing happened, um, Sutler AM didn't come back. But what did happen, Jordan signed for Liverpool 2011. I think either that year or 2012, Sutler AM released that footage. He still meets with them all. I haven't seen him in a long time, but yeah, one of them is my best friend that you'll see. You see at the start with like a red hoodie on, he's my best mate, obviously I see all the time. But not, I don't see too much of the other ones. You can't recreate that. Uh, yeah. We can recreate one. Do we do one? <laughs> well, he had a good relationship with, with the lads. I mean, you know, he liked to joke, he liked to laugh like all the other lads. I mean, that's evident from the, the soccer skills video he did. Sky came and he, him and uh, Nathan Luscombe were, were doing all the tricks and the skills. And There was a kid called Nathan Luscombe. He had everything. The beautiful left foot, speed, tricks in abundance. And some of what they were doing, you know, between them to see who was the best uh, at skills at the club. And I'm watching him and Nathan thinking, how the hell? Can they do these sort of things? You know, part of me wanted to go in a cupboard on my own and practice them, but knowing full well, I probably wouldn't be able to do them. It was fantastic. The lads loved it. But that, for me, showed one, they had a fantastic touch, but also a love of the ball. And they wanted to try and improve themselves all the time. It's close, but Nate, you've got a skill school winner. Skill. Yeah! When he was 16 years old, he was one of the last players to be given a contract at the club. There were five or six players ahead of him who were considered better, they weren't sure whether physically he was going to be able to, to handle the demands of becoming a prof professional footballer. When he was a 9, a 10, 11 and a 12, he was one of the standout players. But as he grew and his body was changing, he had a tough time. He wasn't having uh, the effects on games that he, he would have been previously. And if you speak to the academy director at the time, Jed McNamee, <clears throat> Jed will tell you, he nearly released him because of his size. When he came up for a scholarship, you know, there was a, there was a lot of question marks. The build-up was, was horrendous. Let's say in that particular year, there's 30 players. So out of the 30, 29 have been took in and seen and spoke to and been released or they've been kept on or they've been offered a scholarship. Another week goes by, Jordan's like, oh, Dad, I'm, they're going to release us, I know they are. So my head's spinning. Thing. And if he gets released, where's he going to go? He'll still want to play football. How will he, how will he advance his career? So it got to the stage where um, one of my younger brothers, Ian, he goes for a drink with the academy director. So I'd said to him, Ian, do us a favour. Will you ask him 
is he going to release Jordan or not? It's like, it's, it's not fair getting all these weeks hanging on for Jordan to find out if he's released or not. And he's getting a bit, bit concerned. So anyway, the following week, uh, my brother rang us up and he said, um, I've spoken to Jed, there's, there's no need to worry. He's just forgot to ring you. I went, are you kidding me? Anyway, he had actually forgot to ring us. So he rang us up and, and told Jordan he'd been accepted. And shortly after that, Roy Keane came. Um, and there's again an iconic photograph for our family anyway, it's iconic of uh, Jordan and Roy signing. I think it's on his, it's on his scrapbook that um, his grandma took my mum. That's it there. It was a really good group of players. A lot of the lads went on to, to play professionally. A lot of them made debuts in Sunderland's first team. They were a team that had a reputation that other teams didn't like playing Sunderland. You know, you knew you were going to be in for a game, win or lose. Um, and I think Jordan really kind of embodied that when he when he came into the system and obviously coming up through it as well. What drove him was he wanted to play in that first team. Marty Waghorn, who he was friends with, played in the same team. Roy Keane gave Marty Waghorn his debut um, as a young player. And like we were talking the lads about it and Jordan was attitude was, I'll be next. And he was. Shortly after that year, was Roy uh, a pre-season game. I think it was Gateshead, a game which they should have won because they were in the Premier League then. Sunderland got beat 2-0, I think it was. They got beat at Gateshead. Roy took them all back and had a pop at them all because he felt that we as a football club shouldn't be beat by Gateshead, which is fair enough, totally understandable. Then he went round the room, basically questioned all the young players as to whether they'd play in his first team. Jordan tells the story, he was absolutely terrified of having the meet with Roy and he said uh, so is there anybody sitting here who thinks that would get in my first team and I think Jordan put his hand up and he went I could you know in front of Roy Keane with all his sort of um, charisma if you like so I think that summed him up really he had that he believed that he could do it and he had the hard work to back it up and the next day he was on the bench for the first team and that was the start of it all a young player we did have who had said no went out on loan that year came back at Christmas I asked him what he was doing back. He went, well, I'm going to try and get in our first team. And I actually said to him, no, it's too late now. You've already put the doubt in your, the manager's mind because you know that day when Jordan went, yeah, you stuttered and hesitated. You should have been proud enough to have gone, yeah. Now, whether you've done it or not, didn't matter, but you should have stood up for yourself. And I think from then on, I think if you spoke to Roy, he would say that he remembered Jordan being determined and positive just to make it at whatever length he would get there. I think Roy respected Jordan for what he was. He was a young player who was determined, but showed such a enthusiasm for the game. I think it was refreshing for him. I think he's, he said that himself in various interviews. But what Jordan takes away from Roy uh, is huge in respect of speaking to somebody who's achieved so much in football like Roy has. Jordan's debut was a hard debut, it was against Chelsea. He was selected in the first team and I said to him, do you think I should travel down? Do you think he'll get on? He was like, Dad, no chance, not against Chelsea. So I didn't go, so I was at home. And of course on the bus he's ringing, he's like, Dad, he's, he's talking about, you know, I might be able to get on second half. And I'm like, well, I hope you do, I wish I'd come down. Uh, and they were getting beat 3-0 at half time. And he shoved them on. From there on, that was him in his mind. 
so the next game, I think, might have been away at Aston Villa. He was on the bench. He was in the squad. So there was about three or four games he was involved in in the squad if you went through his stats. And then there was a game where he wasn't involved and he was livid. And he was like, Dad, I'm going to go and knock on the manager's door. And he went. And he went and knocked on Roy's door and asked him why he wasn't in the squad. So fair play to him. I don't think anybody or anything ever phased Jordan. Um, but as a manager, he hugely respected Roy Keane. When you come back and you start getting in the first team, the challenge in itself is difficult. Consistency as a young player is difficult because you can be on such a high one day of playing really well. Next day, your performance might be average. You wonder why, question why. And you haven't got the experience then to know that's football. That's part and parcel of football. You ain't going to be great every week. I think we used to get told, if you can't be good, make sure the other person you're against isn't good. So, you know, it might not be your attributes as a player come through in the skillful sense. It might be the physical sense where you stop somebody else. And sometimes you have to do that. But are there, were there times when he wouldn't have played great? Absolutely. The chairman of Coventry, which was Ray Ranson, had been in touch with Niall Quinn at the time. And I think there'd been some sort of contact there. And anyway, it was decided for Jordan to go. Each player, when they get to a certain stage of their uh, development, needs different challenges. If that challenge can't be met in our reserves and he's not quite ready for our first team, they need to find something that challenges them. Also puts them outside their comfort zone. He was progressing. He was training around the first team. I mean, a lot of lads who we, we feel have the sort of potential to play in the first team, you know, we do put them out on, um, on loan just to see how they deal with it, being away from home, playing at a, a, another level, playing another system of football it's just part of the learning process you're now then where jordan's now been living at home for three or four years traveling into work and finding things quite comfortable he's now all of a sudden got to go and live in coventry where he's gonna to have to go and stay in a hotel possibly and stuff like that i think for the first two weeks he was very isolated he was in a hotel room on his own and i would go down i would go down as much as i could because there was nobody sort of looking after him he'd never been away from home at the time he was 17 all of a sudden responsibilities totally changed. Now he'd have had the support of his parents and that, but individually he's now got to start growing up. He's now got to start then saying, right, I need to get in their team. When I get in their team, I need to stay in their team. When I'm staying in their team, I need to understand I need to keep performing to keep staying in their team. Because if I play well, get in their team, think I've arrived, within a couple of weeks I'll be back out of the team. Jordan then, yeah, very, very, uh, very shy, very reserved, didn't let a lot out in the respect of, of, you know, where his personality was properly at, but just very, just came in, didn't really speak much, very quiet. He went initially for five or six weeks, but within two weeks in being there, Coleman asked to keep him for the year. I just think it took him a little bit of time to settle within the, the Coventry surroundings, maybe a bit homesick, maybe. Who knows, at that age, it's, it's you know, very delicate at that age, do you know what I mean? I think for the short period he was there, because he, he, he was injured after about half a season, he made such a huge impact. When Jordan came to Coventry, I personally think he was two or three steps ahead. Why most of the players maybe didn't understand what he was doing, it's because they wasn't maybe in that position of what he... So what he was thinking, whether he saw a certain pass, not necessarily his teammates would, would see. Therefore, that got misinterpreted by, 
he's not that good. Do you know what I mean? Because some footballers can be bitches, unfortunately. I'd heard that he's been doing really well at Coventry. A couple of people, well, one per at least one person with Liverpool connections at Coventry, Stephen Wright, was saying, you know, how well he'd done as a young player going into the team and really had an impact on their survival hopes. And everyone's, you know, sort of, oh, you know, it's not really, I thought he was supposed to be better than this and blah, blah. I'm just like, anyway, one of the players goes to me, oh, he's not all that at all. I said, all right, cool. Anyway, this game in Wolves, he done one thing in that game, yeah, where I knew that, okay, this guy can play, right? Now, I only, I only had eye contact with him and I looked, we looked at each other and as soon as he saw me look, he kind of, it's like he knew what I was going to do. So I went to, to go to the ball and then I span off the way he just slipped this ball through to me. It was proper. I went on to get the winner, obviously. And I said, from then, and the person that said to me, uh, he weren't all that, I went straight to him. I said, let me tell you something now. He's all that. <laughs> He's all that. His biggest game there at Coventry. Coventry got through to the quarter final of the FA Cup that year and they played Chelsea. And Jordan had to man mark Frank. Lampard, uh, they got beat, I think they got, was it, but Drogba was playing. They had a great team then. I'm not sure if they went on to win that FA Cup that year, but again, a great learning curve. Obviously, it's not make or break because some players have good loans, some players have bad loans. It doesn't necessarily define your career, but I think it was clear that he went Coventry City and made a real impression. I think Coventry helped him a lot grow. His last game, he got a, somebody stood on his foot and broke his little toe. Um, but he was lucky in a sense, so he went for an x-ray when he came back home and the x-ray showed he had two bones in his toe. So the broken one, they just took that out and he was fine. So he got back pretty quick. And, and then I remember from then on, his career was, it just was on the up from then on. He went on pre-season with Sunderland to Amsterdam, me and a friend of mine flew over. And we watched every game and he was absolutely outstanding. I remember having the conversation with Steve where, you know, the season's going to start and he's, he's, he's trying to bring a few players in and it's not happening. And then I think he used the term, I'm going to go with the kid. I'm going to give him a go, which was Jordan. And I sort of said, well, he'll not let you down. I remember Steve Bruce saying his phone was the hottest, answering calls about loan deals for Jordan at the time. Everybody wanted him, and Steve said he was fighting them off. He was just bubbling, he was getting better, his body was changing, his body was getting stronger. The physicality was coming, that was, wasn't there when he was a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old, that was coming, and that was just adding to his game, you know. He was one of the youngsters, but of course uh, you could tell that he, he had a certain potential. He already had his, his height, his ability to run from, from the middle and, and get into the box but he also he had quite a good uh, passing game. So that were the things that, that stood out straight away. You know, his attitude was obviously excellent and his physicality was superb. I think that's the thing that when I think about what you first noticed about Jordan Henderson at Sunderland was, you know, sometimes players come through and they've got good technical ability, but you think, are they going to be able to make it in man's football? Are they going to be able to survive in senior football? Jordan straight away, you knew, you knew he had that. Um, he could run all day long. He became a regular 
at the start of that sec of his second season, if you like, and he did 30, 33, 34 games that season. I think he handled that jump pretty seamlessly, really. If you think that he only had one loan spell for half a season, he went from a player who you knew was highly rated to being a fairly integral part of the squad. I mean, certainly by his second full season, you know, he was very much one of the one of the key players in the squad. But the big thing that stood out for me when he started breaking the first team was he was a young kid, he was a, a young player. He's playing in front of like 40 odd thousand, you know, 45,000. And he's taking the corners, he's taking the free kicks. And you know, you've got like 40, 40 odd thousand, like letting them know whether it was a good corner or, or a bad corner. But again, it goes back to that, that belief in his, in his own ability. Well, he was a player that, that had obviously a very big engine, a big heart. Um, he always wanted to be, a, to be a better version. He was the big hope in the city. You know, he was a, he came through the academies, he was a good player, all that stuff. And he was in the first team and he, he represented that fan base. He's exceptionally passionate about Sunderland and coming in, you know, you could get a feel for what the fans wanted based on how he approached every, every, everyday life, you know, so. As I say, there wasn't a guarantee that he was going to be a star or anything like that at that point, but he definitely had the drive and he was the most recognisable player in terms of what the fans wanted, as I say. So you come in through the door, you see Jordan, you know what you know what time it is. I remember one game, he was absolutely brilliant at stopping Ashley Cole playing at home in the game. And you might have said, well, what about you know going forward? But what he'd done was negated Ashley Cole's effect. I've never seen a player go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ashley Cole the way he did. I think he won away at Chelsea 3-0. You know, Jordan played well in that game. And that was probably the first time I can remember thinking, you know, he, look, he looks half a decent player. Those two years that Jordan was at Sunderland, the, the assists, his stamina, his work ethic, you know, and never give up type of attitude. Going to every contest, every duel, 100% type of guy. Like he was, don't get me wrong, he was good on the ball and all that stuff, but he was more so concerned and just getting about the pitch and things like that. And he, he did have quality, but it's not, say the Jordan Henderson that we see today anyway. But he was someone who was very, very driven, obsessed with winning, like obsessed with winning. It's easy now to look back, back sorry, with rose-tinted glasses because you now look back and think everything about it was probably brilliant here. But there was probably times here where people might have questioned his ability. They might have questioned what he was doing, why he was doing it. I remember there, there was a spell of maybe two months where he didn't play well and that, that he was really frustrated with himself. He absolutely had people who doubted him when he first broke through into the team. I think that being a, a homegrown player, playing for your home club, you get a lot of support, people want you to do well, but there's also a different pressure, I think. I do think that the expectations and the standards in a strange kind of way can be higher. You have to prove that you're in the team not just because you're from the area, but because you're good enough. There's always an element of people who expect instant success from everybody. And I don't know whether it counted for him or against him that he was a local lad and a Sunderland supporter. But you've always got to win people over when you come into the side. And I guess if it's someone like a goal scorer who comes straight and scores every other game for a season, then the fans love him. If he's a midfielder who does, if you like, the, the, the unpleasant parts of the game, the, the unglamorous parts, the job doesn't a lot of work in then it's not so easy for people to pick up on those good things. It was a pretty tight unit, a young group of friends, and Steve managed them really well. Especially at this time, we're talking about Sunderland side who was pushing towards the top 10. I know everyone will have seen the Netflix documentary and the perception of Sunderland will have changed, but this was a good Sunderland team. Finished 10th, which is, which is very good for us. So I don't think there's a great deal of barriers to him being successful at Sunderland here because of the kind of player he was and the fact that the team around him 
the season we finished tenth, we had Darren Bent banging all the goals in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that it was a good team there, and that, that that helped them. Jordan would pick out players that he would play against, and the level that he would play against. You know, the Man Uniteds, the Chelseas, and I think Jordan always aspired to play in either a tournament or to win the Premier. That that was always his dream. I remember having a conversation with him when he was a regular um, first-team player to say, you know, dear, I think you could, you can go to a top-five club. You know, I think you can play for England. You know, and I think there was a little bit of hesitant then, but you know, he thought I was taking the mick, but I was really serious. I really thought he could. I think once he started to realise that he was playing regular in the first team, that he, I think he definitely had aspirations of, of, of going to a bigger club. I remember we played against Newcastle and he was talking afterwards, I think it was, about the feeling of playing in that big game and all this stuff. And he said, oh, you know, this is all I could ever dream of and so on and so forth. And I said, yeah, that's great, but why not dream bigger? It's very easy when you're a hometown boy to be seduced by the, the only game that mattered to you in that time. But that was like a thing of saying, you know, this is exceptional, but, you know, aspire to do more. Because that game, for as big as a game as it is, it's not really been a game in a long time where you buy, you're playing for a title. But imagine a derby game where it's for a trophy on the line and stuff like that. And I think that was one of the first few times where someone would, uh, someone essentially asked him that sort of question. And it's not to say that he wasn't ambitious beforehand, but, you know, he seemed like he was, after the game, like he was lost in the sort of aura and the feel of that game itself. And it was a big game and it's huge up there. I'll tell you that straight off the bat. But... You know, there's, there is more to it. And I think he starts to sense it from around that, that sort of point. There was a lot of talk about him at the upper tier of Premier League clubs, but also on the England stage. They were speaking about him as somebody who could become a future leader of his country. Man City had showed an interest. Man United had showed an interest, although we were told it was like, sixth or seventh on their list. There's a famous story where Alex Ferguson's uh, autobiography comes out and he, he basically reveals that he didn't move for Jordan Henderson because of his gait, because of his running style. Although it was true what was said, it wasn't Sir Alex who said it. So because they'd been looking at Jordan, Sir Alex has probably said to one of the guys, will you have a look at his stats? And Because that's what it's all about, isn't it, these days? This particular, I can't remember who the person was. I don't know if they were ever named had said that Jordan, in his report, had said that Jordan had a particular strange gait, the way he ran, he ran from the hips, not from whatever it was. Um, but I don't really feel it was Sir Alex's comment. It wouldn't have made any difference. Fergie couldn't run anyway, so when he played, <laughs> he maybe be an expert on it. I think Jordan was asked the question one time, do you forgive Sir Alex? And Jordan went, I've got nothing to forgive, the guy's a legend which he is, and probably one of the best managers of all time. I think it was in the January, um, and I'd sat down with Niall Quinn and Steve Bruce, and they both said, look, now's not the time for Jordan to go. And they both agreed that they felt Jordan would eventually go. You see, he played 30-odd games two seasons in a row before he left, and you say, right, he's, he's one that we want to keep, but then somebody comes along with 20 million quid, you can't really say no. I think Steve would have rather have kept him a year more, maybe to 2012 rather than 2011. But I think it was too great an opportunity not to take one of the four or five inquiries that we'd had. 
was obviously aware of him, watched him quite a lot at Sunderland, I'd heard rumours we were we were tracking him. I think we were travelling up to the North East somewhere and stopped at Blackburn on the way up on the Saturday to watch the game. Uh, Sunderland were doing at Blackburn to play the game, so went to see the game. It wasn't a great game, but anything that happened in the game happened through through Jordan. And I'd met Kenny um, previously at a couple of uh, Sunderland Blackburn games in the FA Cup, and, and that's obviously when he's been watching them. I never, I wouldn't have dreamt that, would I? I had a look at a couple of other foreigners and said, nah, the best one for us would be Jordan. Young, English, leadership qualities, uh, character, very strong, all the testimonials they were getting from people that he'd worked with, like, like I said, from academy level all the way through to Sunderland's first team. Everything they were getting in terms of their research, was quite positive. So, negotiations started and thankfully finished happily. For him, it was, you know, it was a massive thing. He was still a very young player. When a club like Liverpool comes calling, you've got, to, you know, he was excited, I would imagine. And Steven Gerrard, Stevie G was Jordan's idol. And to be fair, that was probably the biggest pull, the fact that Kenny had said to Jordan, you'll be the legs for Stevie J this next few seasons coming up. Um, can you imagine? Jordan was buzzing, but Kenny was 10 million percent wanted him there. Oh, well, obviously, yes, if I helped you, but uh, it's only if I help if it comes with ability and talent. So he, he just filled the package that we needed. I didn't want to see him go quite a few, didn't. As I say, there was a few people who said, oh, look, he's only doing it for the money, but he, he never asked to go. I don't think there was much negativity when he left. I really don't think there was. The fans know that if Sullen's got some a, a good young player playing for them, that the big clubs will be hovering, and, and that was the case with Jordan. And I think one thing that uh, it didn't help him, I think, was the price that they pay, Liverpool paid in that moment. You know, I think it was 16, 20 million, something like this. In that moment, was a lot of money. It's funny because there's a common sort of conception that Liverpool paid like 20, 20 odd million for Jordan Henderson, where it was 16, which was no short amount of money. But at the same time, and again, with the wonderful gift of hindsight, it's like, what a deal that is. Personally, the size of the club he was going to and the fee at the time surprised me. I think it felt like his development had almost been accelerated a little bit, if that made sense. Not that I didn't think he was good enough to make it at Liverpool, but that seemed like a huge step at the time and the fee felt like it was always going to be a pressure for him, I think. When uh, Liverpool bought him for around £20 million, I was really surprised because um, he was still a youngster and he still had to prove it um, on the highest level. You know, £20 million quid is, it's still a lot of money, but it's not, it's not rare now when you, you see some of the people that get transferred to that money now and you think, well... They're not that clever, but back then it was a big chunk of money and it was, you know, it was a huge, for, for us, we could have built a team with 20 million quid. How can you criticise someone for turning down a move like that? And I think that people have always wished him well. People are really proud, you know, when you see Jordan lifting trophies and succeeding, not just for Liverpool, but for England as well. I think people draw an immense amount of pride from that and I do think that probably outweighs any sense of, you know, what might have been or, or any frustrations that he left, I think. You know, there's nothing more pleasing than when he 
he started winning trophies with Liverpool and got England recognition. The biggest question for Jordan Henderson, you move from Sunderland to Liverpool, fine, but can you cope with the pressures of playing? Can you cope with the pressures of the fans and everything that comes with being a Liverpool player? Sunderland, you know, in that city is a is a big club, but you know, Liverpool just a, in a whole different stratosphere, really. And I think that was why it was probably difficult for him early on, trying to get to grips with that that pressure and expectation that comes with being a Liverpool player. Sunderland was probably a good grounding for that, actually. It's an intense community, it's an intense football club. Um, you have to be aware of that pressure all the time and deal with it. I spoke with him before he left. I was probably quite blunt with him and I just said, Jordan, if you go down there and become a, a big-headed bastard, I'll come right down and kick you right up the arse like that. And we just had a laugh about it. Now, I never for one minute thought that would happen. And I just remember the, the day he signed, because I, I, I actually interviewed him that day. He sort of played it quite safe, you know, like in terms of the, the stuff that he says, I suppose most young players do. But I just remember thinking he held himself like really sort of maturely, really. He was there with, I think, four or five other signings when they unveil him at Melwood and it was a bit of a free-for-all. But I remember he, he just seemed quite calm. We were excited, of course, to, uh, to see, you know, what type of player he was uh, when he arrived. You know, right from the start, you just knew that in terms of someone who really appreciated what they had and, you know, someone who was always going to work, you know, and do everything they possibly could to maximise their talent. So Jordan Henderson, he's got the big move. He's played in the Premier League. He's moved to Liverpool. He's there alongside Steven Gerrard. You know, for many people, you might think plain sailing from here, but sometimes stories can be a little bit more complicated than that. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Hendo, 10 Years of Red. Episodes 2 and 3 are streaming exclusively on Redman Plus, the ultimate Liverpool FC streaming service. With a wide array of exclusive documentaries, interviews and weekly analysis covering every aspect of the Reds, Redman Plus is like Netflix for Liverpool fans and you can sign up for as little as £5 a month. Head over to redmanplus.com to sign up now. Coming up in episode 2 of Hendo, 10 Years a Red. Settled in really quick, you could tell he was a real humble kid. It was sad, but at the, at the same time, if that's what they wanted to do, then fine. Jordan Henderson would go to Fulham and Clint Dempsey would come to Liverpool. Do I think that would have been the right decision? The answer would have been no. Even Liverpool to go to Fulham? You, you wouldn't go, would you? It never happened, so that's good. That was the season when he truly arrived as a Liverpool player. You start Hendo that would provide the energy for the team. We missed them immensely in them, in them final few games, for sure. You've got some bad news. It's what I thought you had. You've got cancer. Well, I can't remember much after that. Win the league and get every man of the match every week. That's what you need to do. I think it was the ideal choice. I couldn't see how they could do anything other than give him the captaincy once he played the way he played. What a feeling that must have been for Jordan. I don't see that Jordan changed, you know, because he had the armband. That whole run-up all the way to Kiev was so good because I think it was unexpected. I could be a Champions League winner, yeah. It was a tough night for all of us, for him as well. Is it times like that when Jordan Henderson really comes to the fore? We wouldn't be the team that we are today without that game. I think then it felt like the next time it was going to be ours.